Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. This conversation that we're going to have is, is a conversation not only I've looked forward to having, but I want to introduce you to a dear friend of mine. I've known this man almost 25 years. We've walked through a lot of things in life together, and he has such a powerful story to tell things as we get into this conversation that are going to encourage you because he is an encourager. You can't be around him for five minutes and not feel good after you leave. And that is my friend, Demetrius Apostolin. Now, full disclosure, he's going to talk here in just a second. You would think Demetrius Apostolin is Greek, Wait till he opens his mouth. Demetrius, how are you, my friend? Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. I am very good, Brian. Very good. And just feel honored to be here with And see, I say that because he did not grow up in Greece. He grew up in Kenton, West Virginia. So he talks like us. <laughs> I talk worse than us. That's, that's exactly right. Demetrius, you have taken, and, and I, I ask people, I start this way because, again, these are unusual times that we find ourselves in, recording this in the midst of a global pandemic, and, of course, it, it hits everybody differently. How are you and your family dealing with it, and what is something that you've learned or gained from this experience now going on five months i'll be honest brian that jesus was the same yesterday he's the same today and he's the same forever so we're walking through it seeking him and uh loving him and appreciating every day just his mercy and grace on us we stay in a lot and uh, I think it's a valuable time to have family time. Uh, this was not a house arrest. This was a house rest. And resting in the Lord, resting in what he wants to do. And, uh, you know, he's the deal, period. You have always been a guy, and, and the one thing I've admired in our friendship over the last 25 years. I mean, it's hard for me to believe. When I first met you, neither one of us have kids. And we're going to get into the story about your kids. But when I met you, neither one of us had kids. And we both married for a period of time. And now look where we are 20, almost 25 years later. One thing that I know about you is you're a free individual. You just, you do things that you feel and you do things that, that, that come to you that you want to do. Have you taken some more liberties with that during this time? 
have you found yourself tapping into more of those things or are you going the other way and going, well, I want to, I want to bring some things in and, and rein some things in and, and, and be a little tighter in some areas. Uh, I believe it's a little bit of both. You know, you want, you want the, the Lord to have freedom uh, to do what he wants to do. And, uh, the, you know, I love the marketplace. I love going out into the marketplace and, uh, you know, spreading the gospel wherever that will be. And it's a little bit tougher these days. Mm. We all look like we are getting ready to hold up the place. And, <laughs> you know, it looks like too, that you get no reaction. You know, you don't know somebody smiling or they're growling at you. You, you know, know so, what? I, 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 I got to jump in here because before, if you or I would wear a mask into a bank, it'd be a bad day. Bad day. And now it's, it's commonplace, but you're right is that a lot of people, you don't get to see their face. I, I didn't mean to jump in there, but, but it, uh, you sparked something in me because, again, that's been a running joke that you walk into a bank with a mask on before this thing, it's a bad day. But you like going out into the marketplace. What's changed about that for you? Or are you trying to bring back some semblance of normal when you and your family go out? Uh, well, the family doesn't get out much at all uh you know it's protection you know very much protection so i'm the one going out and doing the groceries and doing whatever and uh i think to a point uh you know you have to be really careful because if you come up to speak to someone they they'll back off although yeah. you're going to distance yourself or whatever now laying hands on people <laughs> that's that's an, that's one that uh, you just really don't get the opportunity to do like you used to, um, you know. But I've done it, you know, and it was okay. I, I watched people look at me like, you know, what are you doing? But you know, it's the gospel. It's the commission. It's biblical. It's, it's very much biblical. The book of James. Yeah, and you know, you're asking me what I, you know, do or whatever. Well. Every time I watch one of your podcasts, you got all these, you know, real special people and they write books and, you know, they're, they're educated. And, but the book thing really got to me. So I decided last night I'd write a book. So, you know, I know you have your bookcase and have all the books and stuff like that. So last night I wrote a book. We're hoping to get this out as soon as possible. You know, it's real. You're real technical, anyway. You you're just the most technical part. I was a little bit worried that 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 we wouldn't be able to get this Zoom call going today. Oh, it self me? sucks. Yeah. Self, self sucks. Yeah, that was yeah, and put my name on it. You know, so we're good with that. It's you know, it's got a few. Here's one page, two page, three page, four page, five page. So the first couple of pages, you know, describe how much that self sucks and, uh, you know, all those things that go along with it, you know, and I wrote this from an angle of myself mm -hmm. uh, because I filled with self on, uh, on a daily basis and, you know, going to the cross every day. And then after a few, you know, pages of really just self sucks proclaiming the Lord, 
because the Lord is what it's all about. You know, yeah. the, 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 the self has to die. So that's all I could think about yesterday. I, had, I, I got in my car a couple, two days ago. When I got in the car, I thought how selfish I was. <laughs> I got in the car and started repenting and praying. And then I came back and I went, okay, I feel a whole lot better about that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too long, you know, I could feel self, you know, coming back up. Well, God bless Sherry, your sweet wife of many, many years, because you couldn't have wrote that thing by yourself. I I know you well enough to know you couldn't have wrote that thing by yourself. No, I did write it by myself. It's just that it's spelling, it's punctuation, all that stuff. It'll have to be really probably done over to release it. Uh, But, you know, for your bookshelf, you know, you gotta have this. Send right? it, send, yeah. sign it, and send it to me. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it. I mean, because again, you know, um, I, you know, a, a signed Demetrius Apostle and book. I mean, it's got to be worth pennies. You know, like a like a Brian Sexton signed book is probably worth about two cents, mm. and that's even with the content in it. And I'd probably have to pay somebody. I'd probably have to give them a nickel to take it. It's always it's always good to find someone who will uh, buy it though. Yeah. You know, you know, that, that, then you can say I sold a book. Yep. You know, it's like buy, you know when we did CDs, you know all kinds of musical CDs. You really until someone bought them, you couldn't say they were CDs to be out in the in the places then. You know, yeah. when they were, you go, hey, yeah, I've sold some CD. That's cool, you know. So, you know, hate to go running on, but I want to make sure you knew about my book, you know. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love it. And, and you know, my, I, I tried to release a CD once, and it went aluminum. Ooh. Ooh. And, and then it went in the trash because, you know, nobody, nobody listened to it. I, the one thing I love about you is when we get together, and we, we've always had this kind of relationship, is that we just talk about a lot of different things. And that's why I was excited to have you on the podcast, because your journey is so unique, man. I, I, and I tell people all the time, I don't have a friend like Demetrius, because your background and your journey has just been so varied and, and the things that you do and the things that, that interest you are just so varied. Take me in the audience back through your story of your journey in life, because you have overcome some things in your life that, that would have probably taken most people out and you've overcome them and go as far as you want to go and just go where you want to go because I know the story, but I want to encourage other people with the story of, of what you can overcome and how you can overcome it. Well, you know, the, the thing, the thing that you, when you look back on things, you, you really believe, or at least I do, that things happen to you, not for you, but for other people. Uh, when people are going through so many things, uh, you know, I'll be honest, they think nobody's going through something like this. It, it's, a, it's a mentality that uh, sometimes just grips people. So, um, 
that's that's pretty much what you know I I would say about that type of thing. You know, my my childhood was white picket fence. <clears throat> you know, uh, dressed up all the time. You know, all that thing. And uh, then one day, when I was I think seven years old, my my dad had a reel to reel, and he says, "I'm gonna show you something." And I said, "Okay." So he pulls out this reel to reel, and my dad's a very was my dad was a very humble individual. So he didn't like tell me stuff, or you know, uh, I didn't I I did not see what had happened to him at all mm-hmm. uh, until he showed me this reel to reel, and and so it was a uh, it was a video of this is your life, and. So I'm watching, but of course, at that point in time, this is your life was not on television like it was the number one TV program in the United States for a number of years. So I, all of a sudden, I see this, and they're explaining this situation, you know, this story to me uh, on the screen, and Ralph Edwards doing his deal, and all of a sudden, I looked at my dad and I thought, my gosh, that was you, and so that was, you know, that was what really shocked me, I think, at that point. And, you know, my dad's story is that he was in Korea. He's coming back from a, uh, uh, coming back on a big, you know, uh, charter plane back to the United States because his father was in the hospital and he was dying of cancer. So on the way back uh, from Korea, uh, a place called Sandspit, Canada, Uh, very, very, very bad storm, terrible storm, their plane went down in the ocean. So, you know, it's like everybody's trying to survive, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And uh, in in that way, my, my dad was not one to really talk about that that much. He would tell me, you know, little things because it was frightening to him after it happened, you know. And so he would get, he was on the plane, you know, everybody's grabbing a hold of it. People are, you know, it's pitch dark and people are just dying left and right. You know, all these people that's on this plane. And dad is diving off the plane, saving people, you know, and trying to get him back to the plane. And he talks about the one woman, and it really, I mean, forever it hurt him because she died in his arms. You know, he couldn't do anything for her. But at that point, I think dad realized that a lot of people's not surviving. And he began to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the ocean. And people were getting saved, you know, baptizing people, the whole thing going on. And, uh, man, he's something. Yep. You know, I think about that every day, you know, and that man he was, you know, and so um, there was an, uh, there was another plane to come for the rescue and it went down. So they're out there forever. And anyway, I'm not, uh, I won't go into the whole shebang about that, but they made it back. You know, there were seven survivors and they made it back and, you know, they went to this lady's house and, you know, the thing that I think about, too, with that, Brian, is 
if that would have happened today, can you imagine the media coverage? Oh, it'd be, it would be unbelievable, D. It would be incredible. Yeah, and there's none. I mean, you know, they didn't even know, you know, at that point for, I don't know, I think it was almost a day about survivors and all that stuff and what was going on. And, well, you know, you, and, and I'll say this is, is my son Bryce and I were talking about the Marshall plane crash that happened 50 years ago and how devastating it was to our area, and it's still being felt. And it's hard to believe it's been 50 years since the Marshall football plane crash. And, and we were talking about that very thing, Demetrius, that if that happened today, there would be people in Huntington for days where we live covering that ESPN, CNN, Fox News, all the major outlets would be here covering that story because of the devastating impact that it had. And you're right, that situation that your dad was in, I mean, you probably, you and I would have probably heard about it on social media before we heard from our loved one. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and so, yeah, it, it, amazing. When you think about that time, and now you're you're a little kid and you're taking all this in. Um, how much deeper did your respect for your dad grow, or were you just kind of just in awe of this man standing next to you, showing you this real to real? Uh, I think when it was over, that probably I was doing the same thing that I would have normally done is, you know, grab two uh, plastic swords and two trash can lids and hit the outside. And we, we play uh, Spartan, you know, fighting in the middle of the yard and, mm -hmm. you know, and all that stuff. I'll be honest. I believe at that time, which most people, you don't, you don't know the impact. The thing was that as time went on, and he was always my hero, but now he's not just my hero, you know, he's a lot of people's hero. So mm -hmm. that, that is how, you know, I pretty much live, live my life that, you know, my dad, my dad was a hero, never, ever, hardly ever talked about it. And, you know, you, you saw the respect people had for him and all that, but you know, dad wouldn't talk about it. And, you know, he went, like I was saying, I watched the real real when they got back to the States. Dad had a huge gash from the plane in his side. So when the, the army was taking him to all kinds of different places, mineral places for him to soak that and, you know, try to heal that up, taking him to do, you know, radio broadcast, you know, all over the place and talking about the event. Mm -hmm. And so he went to, you know, they took him to California because they said, okay, we're going to go out here and do this radio program. Da, da, da. And then all of a sudden, what you, he knew, they knew that, you know, he'd want to do some things. What do you think? Here's some choices of some, maybe some things we could do. And it was, this is your life. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Let's go do that. So anyway, the, the thing starts and Ralph Edwards comes walking out and all of a sudden he's talking about, you know, this man from uh, West Virginia. And, you know, you, you can see the expressions on my dad's face like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> 
and they're showing pictures of, you know, where he grew up on the screen. All of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like, Demetrius Apostolum, this is your life. And, you know, so dad, dad came up and he's just so, he's so, he's so dad, you know, it's, it's like he's he talks like a guy from West Virginia, and he and he's, and he's brought his brother out, you know, from West Virginia. He brought all these people out, and and his brother sits down with him, and they start having a conversation just about back home and all kinds of stuff while the program's going on, you know. And all of a sudden, Ralph Evers going, "Okay, boys, we could talk about that later." <laughs> this was. Well, your dad didn't care. Your dad didn't care that he was on TV. He just wanted to to connect with his brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just you know the deal. Showing him the Bible that you know he had given him and and all that stuff to go when he was in Korea and all that. And they brought out all the survivors and then they had stories about dad. You know, he saved this girl from uh, the river. You know, twenty years before that. And, Dad don't even remember, you know, the girls on there talking about. Yep. So, you know, it was a cool thing. And, you know, uh, that, that, that just put a, you know, tremendous mark on my life. You know, uh, if I could be, you know, half, I mean, most people feel this way. If you could be half the man that your dad is, you'd feel, you'd feel pretty successful. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, I mean, yeah. You're, I was gonna say I know I know your relationship with your dad and just how much you loved him and the respect and just all so you know, yeah yeah you know. it, it, it's it's amazing the impact of of a father on the, on a child's life and speaking of of that and any impact you were not real close with your mom um, I want you to, if you if you don't mind, to share the story of your mother because this is a unbelievable part because your mom and dad split up when you were a kid. I know that part about it, about your life. But your mom, your dad takes this path. Your mom takes a totally different path. Share with us what happened with your mom. Uh, well... You know, like I said, white picket fence, you know, for so many years. And then, uh, as we will say, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So um, there was some patterns of some things that was going on with her, which, uh, you know, I was probably at that point 12, 13, just couldn't didn't know I don't I have no spiritual knowledge I have no uh, you know godly knowledge if, you know about what could be going on and the next thing you know she's going to palm readers and you know she's going to spiritualists and all that type of thing and she's on the phone with people like that and she just pretty much changes you know, she, these people are basically telling her things. She's believing, believing them, and they are not good things, you know. But they have a silver lining. You know, you need to do this. You need to do this. And she, uh, she uh, was ha then she was having an affair with a man way off, way off. Uh, and so... Uh, painful time just awful painful time and so 
you know, an event happened and basically my father was accused of something which was totally false and he moved out of the house and so we uh you know i was still in the house dad dad never said anything bad about my mom you can believe it um he uh he always tell me she's the only mother you're ever gonna have you know you're ever gonna have so at that point in time, uh, you know, I knew something was up. My dad was living, you know, uh, at another place. And I go by the house, and all of our furniture is being moved out. Big truck. All these people are in front of it. And this guy uh, comes. Uh, you know, he's there. I go get dad, bring him down. I said, dad, this ain't good. So they... We tried to stop what's going on, and basically, my dad got beat up. Really so bad. your mom and so your mom and dad lived in separate houses in the same little town. You were able right. just to go yeah. back and forth as you wanted to. Is that that sure. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, dad needed to know this, so he comes, you know, and they're beating the crap out of him. Uh, you know, and they're spraying mace and mice, and you know. They told me afterwards, you know, you could have been blind, but, you know, this. And so the court thing happens, da 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 and, you know, you think, you think I'm going with my mom? No. <laughs> I'm staying with my hero, and Dad and I make a life for ourselves. And so she would try to get in touch with me, and it was, it was awful because, you know, the, the spirit that, would come on that phone and I would just hang up because of this evil that was on there. And she, um, she was in a bad relationship now with this man and still the, the, the fortune tellers and all the demonic things that she was going to. Did you ever find out who it was that was taking her stuff? taking her out of the out of the house you said there was oh a that, that was yeah that was that was him yeah that was that was the man she left with and her brother not his brother excuse me so that was that they were moving everything out and she was taking it which you know that didn't happen because we got restraining order and it was totally legal what was going on but anyway it's hard to even remember that when you're 16 years and now you're over 40 uh so uh <laughs> but anyway way, way over 40 huh way over 40 <laughs> yeah mine uh but you know in in that in that thing you know they left and these fortune tellers because of the fact and, and she was dealing with witches and, and all kinds of different things and stuff and um they they told her uh you know you need to get rid of this man <clears throat> and so uh, there were two men hired to take out her husband. And so they came in in the middle of um, uh, the evening and shot him many times. And he was, he was dead. He was a high profile guy. So, so you know, your mom had remarried, your mom and dad had divorced and your mom had remarried. This was her second husband, correct? Right. They're the ones that came down and, you know, was beat, you know, beating dad up and all that stuff. So anyway, 
this was uh, um, it's 1979, I think, something like that. And so, with all that happening, you know, after a, after a week or ten days, you know, this thing came full circle, and she was now, you know, uh, she was a part of this trial. And there was so much. There was like the witches, the mafia, everybody involved. They were flying people out of the country to protect them in this trial. And, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't knowing what was going on. I'm not there. I'm with my dad. And so uh, the one thing that happened was when you know, the man got murdered was that they, my dad calls me and he goes, because I, I was working then and I didn't go home that weekend or anything. And he says, where are you at? And I says, well, I'm down here. You been anywhere? I said, oh, yeah, I've been all kinds of places. He says, no, I'm serious. <laughs> where have you been? And I said, no, I was right here. And then he told me the story. And he says, everybody's going to be wondering, you know, if we had anything to do with this. Mm -hmm. And actually at the trial, I told the guy, you know, when I was walking out of the trial, when they were in here, and I said, don't ever turn your back. I'll get you someday. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, what happened was this w went to trial, da da da, -da and uh, she was convicted, three life sentences. She served 30 years, something like that. I can't even remember the numbers now. Maybe you got, if you get, and knew I was going to ask me, I just have statistics for you, Brian, but now I'm just coming off the top of a 40 year old head. Well, so, it's fascinating it's because fascinating. you, you and I have talked about this in conversations over the years as we would ride around together and work together. Um, you're a young adult at this time, man, and you're having to deal with your mom going to prison and, We've talked about that together, and I, I wanted you to tell that story because for those first few years that she was in prison, it really defined, you kind of carried that around with you, like, you know, as much as your dad was trying to keep you from it, and your dad was a wonderful man doing that, but as a young adult trying to find your own way, you still carried that around with you. Yeah, in a small town, you know, the the story, my mom's story, was in a Detective Magazine. You know, it was the it was on the front page. You know, it was a big crystal ball. Never, you know, big crystal ball, and the murder that came out of the crystal ball, uh, per se, is what it said. And so, those magazines were different places in Hinton. So you'd walk into places, barbershops or whatever, and you'd see that magazine, you know, so it was, it was hard to escape it. Um, at that point, you know, I wasn't a believer. Uh, alcohol was a good thing to, uh, to take care of some hurt, pain, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so that was, that was something I was medicating myself with and uh, other things also. Uh, but it, there was, there was, there was still that thing that was going on. She would you know, try to call from prison. She wrote letters and all that stuff. It was awful. 
but you know, there's a number of in that in that framework. I found the Lord, and you know, the Lord uh, just delivered me from a lot of things. But I'll never forget when uh, I was standing in front of the mirror in a lot of pain. If you can, you know, you can't believe it. And I knew I need the Lord, and I, it was like my dad popped up on one shoulder and my mom on the other. And it was like a visual. And it was like, it was like the Lord's speaking into my heart going, what you going to do? Mm-hmm. You got a choice. And we all have choices. You know, that's the thing. We all have choices. And I knew, I said, my gosh, I can't go through this anymore. And you know, all the, all the pain. So then it was, an, uh, then it was the Lord that, began to deal with all this thing, all these things and do all whatever that was doing. But my mom was in prison forever, of course. And um, when I met my my wife Sherry, we, you know, we talked about it and I said, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to really, you know, pray for my mom in a way that I never have. I'm gonna fast for my mom and so three and a half days, I remember you know, fasting and praying. Sherry, Sherry would read the Bible to me because I wouldn't, I, of course, I don't read too well anyway. You know, uh, but, you know, she would read it to me because I was too weak to read it. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, so anyway, it was like three and a half days come out of that. And without food, the Lord was filling me with himself. and you know, I, I tell this because it's an incredible fasting story, but you get really hungry after three and a half days. When that fast was over and the Lord had done what he was doing, I was full. Mm-hmm. I didn't because of his life, which had come. And so it was an incredible thing. And then we said, okay, let's get somebody to go see her. Somebody went to see her. And within a, a very short time, she got born again. So, uh, you know, she then she then was out. She got out six years ago or something like that. Lives in Richmond. She's a believer, uh, and that's a great thing. Uh, it's a, you know, like I said, that's that's a tough thing. People, I mean, you know, what was like that first thing. reunion like for you when when you and your mom after all those years? finally came together she gets released from prison she makes a new life what was that reunion like for you to see everything come full circle strange you know very strange uh situation um you know when it was all it was like a stranger you know you have that many years that separated and there's not bonding or anything like that that happens through the the aging of a mother and the aging of a son we didn't age together you know so it, it was very strange and it's it's you know it's a relationship that is there uh but it's still a tough one you know it's still a tough thing you know it's it's a healing time for myself and it still is you know um it will be every day to forgive. Every day is a forgiving day, you know. So anyway, that can be very, 
you know, if, if people are going through stuff, you just, you got, you got, you got to have the Lord, <laughs> you know, there's, there's just no other way around it. You know, this is, you can, you, you can't help yourself. Well, self sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could go in a number of different places. I could talk about you being a competitive bodybuilder. I could talk about you managing a Kenny Rogers roasters. I could talk about a lot of different things. I want to talk about one of the biggest obstacles that you and your wife had to overcome trying for years to have children because you and I walked, I I walked with you for a little bit in that, in that journey, but your story and I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm getting ready to ask you this because I know the journey that you and Sherry walked together. Talk about the journey from the first time you tried to have children. There is a twist. You're going to want to stay for this whole conversation. I'm, t- I'm not going to give it away. I'm going to add to it. But you guys walked a, a difficult journey on your road to having children. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, you always want to – develop the relationship you know uh and sherry and i did and uh you know i was uh i was 40 when i got married and uh you know probably if i'd have got myself in any way shape or form uh ready for the event of you know uh, self not being a part you know maybe sherry and i would have got together earlier but that's okay because the timing is the Lord's. It's not not ours. And so we just had a great time, you know, together and it was time for kids and then it was tough having, you know, we were having a tough time having kids. And so we uh, were in the I said, well, I guess I was forty eight and you know, it was like is this going to happen? And I've teased you often. That's the kind of friend that I am. I've teased you quite often and called you Abraham because you had son, you had child in your old age there. So, you know, full disclosure, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. because that's, that's the kind of relationship we have. Yeah. You're, you're always, a, you're always a jabber. Yeah, you <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, anyway. I didn't, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't jab at you. You know, that. I know you wouldn't. Yeah. I know how that is with a lot of people. They tell me, you know, I've run into a lot of people and they, they're a certain way. Uh, some policemen that I know very well, I found out later just how bad they were. They were really, really great policemen, but bad to the bone. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I thought, you're kidding me. They're so nice to me. And I talk to them again. They go, if I wasn't doing this to you, you you should be worried. <laughs> so that's point. The, the jabber, you know, that goes on. But, you know, I'm, I'm working my job up in northern part of the state. And uh, sure, we went to all these, you know, we found out Sherry was pregnant, which was great. And so we uh, just excited. Uh, we know that there's a possibility of being two, 
you know, that, that was the kind of the readings, you know, from uh, the, the test that was going on. And then all of a sudden I'm up here and Sherry goes, and I couldn't go to an appointment with her. And she goes, are you sitting down? And I said, no, I said, I'm with a sales rep. He said, you know, let me, let me get with you in a second. So it was a day that it was spitting snow, as cold as it could be. And I went outside and sat on this little, uh, little place outside this uh, account that we were going to. And I called her back up. He says, you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, tell me. She goes, yeah, it's, we're having three. I said, what? Three? Yeah, we're having three. I said, okay, that's great. So the rest of the day was like, oh, that, well, that, you know, the thing about having three, we never had one. We never had two. So we didn't know the difference. You know, mm -hmm. we're having these three guys and we're just going to deal with it. And I'm old and, you know, we're going to, we're going to make it happen and it was just something to behold uh because when you're having triplets you know you go for all kinds of appointments and people would doctors would tell you you know what you know who knows what can happen you know you get to all the negative things so you know you're going through enough stress through the uh, <laughs> through through the pregnancy for people to say that stuff but you know it was like we had no doubt the Lord had three, he gave us three names, you know, we knew you know, two boys and a girl, you know, and, and Zach and Madison and, and John came and I'll never forget because they, you know, they had the babies over there so you can go see them and, and, you know, they said, you know, all these stories about what they might look like and I'm looking at them, I'm, I come over and look at them, I'm like, they're perfect. There's nothing like said. You know, the doctor said or anything like that, hair all over the place, you know, just doing their thing. And people would come and see them and they, you know, nurses, doctors and everything else, they would come and see them in the NICU because they came early, of course, you don't go full term with triplets. And they were coming to see them because they were the healthiest triplets they'd ever seen. Yeah. So there were people everywhere, you know, so, and that was, that was the journey of that. And then raising three, three, guys like that for so long it was it was something and you know i'd be the i'd be the first to say man it was tiring you know the first four four months five months if you got two hours sleep you felt rested mm -hmm. and uh you know and everything's very good they're they're just extremely good kids they got born again when they were eight years old you know now it's good. You know, we're now good. they're all teenagers. And let me let me close the gap on this. So it's a Sunday morning and I'm at home and I'm getting ready for church. And the phone rings and I go into our kitchen. And we lived in a different place than we do now. Phone rings and there's no caller ID at that time. There's none of that stuff. And the phone rings and it's Demetrius and he said, Well, we got a boy. We got a girl because in, in among your circle of friends, we all thought you guys were having twins. You kind of kept that, that information about the third baby to yourself. So we, oh, yeah, boy, girl. He said, we got a boy, we got a girl and a boy. And I'm going, what, what, whoa, what, you know, what, what did you just hit me with? And, and your son, John, in full disclosure, you are a lifelong 
Denver Broncos football fan. So tell everybody what your son, one of your son's middle names is. His name is John Demetrius Elway Apostle. And Elway actually means God's way. L for God, way. And although John Elway was one of my favorites, you know, I couldn't call him Roger Staubach. Uh, so Elway was a great name for him, and so he he wears it well, you know. Uh, but not even a little, not even a little temptation to name him Roger Staubach Apostolic. There was none, none there. Yeah, it had to be, it had to have a flow to it. You know, you want to flow, you know. So no, I I know. Yeah, and, and, and my I, wife. My wife's very nice to me, you know. We, we, Zachary, is Zachary. Uh, his middle name was Dylan, and she let me name him after Bob Dylan, who's my second favorite songwriter, uh, aside from King David. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Madison. We always loved that name. You know, when we we were dating, we just loved the name. Matt. We'd hear it and we go, "Oh, Madison, how cool is that?" So, you know, they were pretty. And we had people that even spoke into names, and one of them, and you know, they spoke into the names that we were, were going to call. So it was just very cool, very cool. Speaking of that, <laughs> when my wife was pregnant with our son, we had, um, and th- and this is why you and I have such a a tremendous special relationship because when I was teaching Sunday school, I had you come and speak to my kids in my Sunday school class. And my wife was pregnant with our son, Bryce, and we had gotten some troublesome test results. They, the, the test results came back that there was a probability of spina bifida. Remember you praying, you and Sherry praying for, for Tanya, my wife, and you looked at us and you said, it's gonna, everything's going to be okay. And this was four or five years before you even had kids of your own. And just to understand what we were going through. I've never forgotten that. Of course, there have been more memorable times that I can can shake a stick at in our friendship over the years. But as we bring this to a close, what is your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for people out there right now who may be struggling with infertility? They're trying to have kids and they so desperately want to have kids and can't or they're dealing with what you dealt with as a young man with, with a loved one that's gotten into some legal trouble or, or whatever struggle or obstacle they're going through, Demetrius, leave the audience today with some intentional encouragement. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough not to get discouraged. You know, it's tough not to be frustrated. Uh, Everything, uh, everything looks like a now situation and no future to when you get in that place. You know, when you get in that place of frustration, fear, and all that stuff, the future doesn't look bright. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's happened. You know, my, you know I, can, I speak from my life. It happens. I run into people all the time who are going through things. I share this or share that. And, you know, the, 
the main thing is that you, you need the Lord. You need the Lord for rest. You need the Lord for wisdom. You need the Lord for just his compassion upon you. It, God is a very compassionate God, and he wants the best for you. That's the thing. He really wants the best for you. So you have to you have to continue to walk. You know, it, it can it can you know this this life. Here's the thing. I want I really want to share. A lot of people get just strangled, and I mean strangled by those situations. You know, you can't do anything. So basically, what happens is it keeps you from what the Lord has for you as you're walking through it. The Lord has commissioned us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, cast out demons, baptizing in the Holy Ghost, lay hands on the sick. That is his commission. If we're trying to focus on our problems, our problems will continue to be big. And when the when when the Lord becomes bigger than those problems, and you become again His vessel to go into the world and do what He has called you to do, those things are not so prominent. Wow, that's such good advice, man. Demetrius Apostolin. Probably one of two people I know that do not have social media. You and Phil Robertson do not have any kind of social media presence whatsoever. And so, I, I man, from the bottom of my heart, one, thank you. I love you. I am so grateful for all the years of our friendship. And I'm really grateful that you shared your story today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you, my man. You're welcome, Brian. I, as, as we spoke the other day, I, I told you, you know, I watch a lot of stuff at, at times and you do such a great job. You're, you're, um, you're, you're insightful into studying what somebody uh, is doing, you know, what, what their lives are. My thanks as always and to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Mead. And the ultimate thanks doing. goes it's to the Lord to Jesus Christ and who so, provides intentional know, encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember everyone, everywhere, anytime, and yeah, place, yeah, and me, and Demetrius Apostle, and thank you for joining us again on the Intentional Encourager podcast.